I would like to introduce one of my favorite people. He's a person that challenges me theologically. He also helps me to better understand. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when it's live. So we'll continue on. Um, so he challenges me uh, theologically, and he oftentimes brings questions to us as it relates to um, the things of God, of how people think, and the reaction that people have. And that is my own friend, comrade, and remnant member, Dante Josh Scandrick. What you got to say this, this evening, Josh? Tell me, what, what's going on? Well, first I would just, I'm very appreciative for being here to even be allowed to to be blessed to see another day anyway, you know, Amen. with everything that's going on Amen. with coronavirus and uh, I'm just grateful, you know, there's a lot of other things that could be going on now. You know, I could be anywhere else, but I'm here. And uh, I just want to say thank you for having me on. And uh, hopefully everything goes smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that's any indication. Right. <laughs> so, hey. so that's a good sign. If that's the worst thing. That yeah, happens, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me something, Josh. Or do you prefer me to say Dante? Which, which? Josh is fine. Josh is fine. Okay. Um, uh, I've been thinking a lot about. Um, the things that are happening with our young adults. Uh, it's a, a pebble that's lodged in my shoe. Um, so wherever I'm walking around and trying to get to, I'm always searching to try to find uh, how I can uh, walk with and help out. Um, and I know that oftentimes we have questions that don't get answered. And... Um, and so I think sometimes the reason why our relationships with our young adults at this time is because they really don't get a chance to ask questions or ask the questions that they want to ask. So here at Remnant Speak, that's exactly what we want to do. We'll give you a chance to, let's just talk and see where, you, where you're at and um, what you want to talk about. Okay, well, you know, I'm glad you said that because... In my personal opinion, I think that's a, a lot of what's going on. A lot of a lot of people, not just my age, but of younger generation, they they have a lot of questions and they don't want to ask those questions because they feel like they're either gonna get laughed at, you know, shot down, or be like, you didn't know this answer. Everybody knows this answer, but the harsh reality of it is. A lot of people don't know these answers. You know, we just naturally assume that everyone knows certain things. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're, when you're preaching and you say, well, I know you know this story. <laughs> no, maybe right. we don't know right. this story. <laughs> right. You know, and um, it, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes we have to remember that at some point you didn't know the story, you know, or I didn't know the story. So... Sometimes you got to put yourself back there to try to help bring people along because I, with this generation, they're curious. And a lot of times if you don't give them something to challenge their intellect, 
they're going to go find something that will challenge their intellect. And what they may find may be something that you don't want. But, but let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Because that's an interesting point. Because I think a lot of times, um, I think, I'm not sure, but I think people believe that young adults want the emotionalism of it. When in reality, they want the intellectualism of it. So that they can understand it. Because the emotionalism will come later. Right. Once they understand it. Correct. But if I don't understand it, just giving me emotion is not, you know, it doesn't do anything for me. Right. That, I agree, 100%. And what I found out that that works for me mm-hmm. is when you can tell me a million and one times, hey, you know, uh, Psalms 100 says this, or, you know, Genesis 1 says this, or whatever says that. But if you can't show me in the Bible, word for word, where I can see it, I'm not going to just take your word for it because so many people have told you so many different things and a lot of times they don't tell you the truth. They tell you their version of it. Uh-huh. You know, but the good book isn't going to change. Those words are the words. So if you a lot, if a lot of times if you show it to them in the word where they can see it, they may not act upon it right then, but they'll go back. They're going to remember where it is and where they can go back and reference it. You know, so especially with this technology, they'll go to their phone. You know, and that's just the way it is now. Yeah, they be in service like this. Right, right. So, you know, and it's it's all about trying to relate to the generations that they, as they change. You know, and now they're hungry for it, but they're they don't like traditional church. That's that's what it boils down to. The traditional aspect of the church, not necessarily the preaching or the worship or the music, is not those factors within itself. It's the, I don't really want to call them bylaws, but I'm going to say the traditional okay. church bylaws where, you know, you have to act this certain way. You got to dress this certain way. You got to carry yourself this way, that way. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they don't like. They don't care for that because they've caught so much slack about it. You know, you can't dress this way to go to church. You can't look this way to go to church. But, you know, but then when they ask, well, hey, we thought you're supposed to come as you are. Yeah, but, you know, our pastor prefer you to come like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all right, so are we going off the word or are we going off that pastor? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it so I think so. I think what happens is, um, let, let's take for an example the ideal of dress. Okay. Just just off the the cuff. Um, if we go all the way back to the Bush Harbor days, where you know we were out in the Bush Harbors having church, um, we wore what we had. If it was right. you know worn out jeans and no shoes and maybe a scarf and then as we were able to move into buildings and church buildings we had the opportunity to you know be in the upper staircase and um, up in the, 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 the top part of the church looking down in the back of course and we wore what we wore and then it kind of seems like we finally got to a point where we were in our own churches we had our own pastors. We had our own culture. 
and we had our own Christian community. And the one of the things that stuck for a long time is that we're supposed to give God God our best. Right. No matter what. Whatever it is, if it's if it's working for him, we give him our best. If it's praise, we give him our best. If it's coming together as a group, we give him our best. So the idea was then to dress our best in order to give our best. And so what happened is that kind of stuck. Um, and I would say probably through the 60s and the early 70s, um, you almost had to come to church with a suit and a dress. Okay. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of the ladies didn't wear, uh, wasn't allowed to wear pants, had to wear stockings, couldn't go naked leg. Gotcha. Um, and, I, and I think what happened is it came from that ideal of giving God your best. Your best. Okay. And um, so, and then that wound up becoming, as you said, quote, like bylaws or right. unspeak, unspoke okay. laws. Right, right, yeah. right. So now when they come, it's like, you're looking like, what? You ain't got no suit on? Right. You know, you got on jeans, what? You know, that kind of thing. But here's what, here's the kicker, I think. And this is just from, you know, Coach Jay, Pastor Jay. You know, um, traditions always start out as something that is rebellious. Okay. And so coming to church now, you know, you, I preach in T-shirts and, you know, jackets and open collar and no tie. And many pastors around the, the country do it now. And some people look and go, mm, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't go to that church. Which, and this is, this is what we got to be mindful of, because there are individuals that need to be fed a certain way in order for them to get it. Okay. Just like us as young adults, they've got to they gotta feel that authentic relationship. They gotta, they gotta believe that you're truthful. And uh, you, got, you can't be all judgmental and churchy, right? Right. right? So that's for them, but there, is a, there are people that need to have that tradition because it means something to them. So we don't wanna throw out the tradition. We just wanna say, hey, well, if that's what you need, you know, come and we'll send you to a traditional church. Right. And if not, and you're not traditional, you're not hung on traditional, just come on the remnant. We'll, right. We can deal with it. You know, or even with that, why not just say, okay, well, hey, there's nothing wrong with either way. Right. I think, and I think that's what happens. I think, I think what happens is we believe that this way is the right way right. and your way is the, the wrong, wrong way. way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of just being open to the fact that, hey, it doesn't matter what your appearance is, we just want you there. Yeah. And that will solve the problem. Instead of being judgmental about, hey, because what if I can't afford a suit? Mm -hmm. You know, I should be able to come in whatever I have. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as I'm not naked, you know, but as long as I'm pretty much covered, then what's wrong with me coming with whatever I have? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, as you said, the traditions are always a big factor, but you know, the younger generations, they're always <laughs> you know, we always find a way, even, you know, I'm, 
I have my tendency to ruffle feathers sometimes, you know, with some of the ways I think about certain things, you know, but it, I guess that's just a, a habit the younger generations have. We push the, the envelope a little bit. And, and what's going to, I think, and what's going to happen is soon that this tradition or this way will come become a tradition. Right. <laughs> right. And, and it's going to be like, well, you know, everybody comes to church as they are. You right. know, but as long as you don't, you know, sometimes we overdo stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We go to the extreme, you know, we come in there with hot pants on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there, there's yeah. always there has to be a limit on everything because there is a, a certain level of respect that yeah. that is meant to be had for that place of worship. Yeah. You know, so there is a limit. You know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying there is no limit. You know, you should be just free to do whatever. Like, come as you are. Right. You know, there is a limit. You know, there's limits to everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so other than there are limits to it, but, you know, if it, it shouldn't matter what you have, come as you are, shouldn't judge people by their appearance, you know, because you, you really have no idea who this person is, what they're going through, or what they may be needing from you, or that pastor that day from that word and you turning them away at the door because they're dressed a certain way in all actuality it could be a life or death situation yeah you know you, yeah. you just really have no idea yeah um and i think that's the biggest thing most from a lot of people that i come in contact with that i interact with the traditions are the number one thing that gets them and yeah. you know and they and they feel like I don't want to jump around, but they do feel like sometimes they they don't get the full teaching of the word. They feel like people just pick and choose what they want to teach from, and they teach the same thing every Sunday, or they know every Easter Sunday they're going to get this, you know. They know every first Sunday they're going to get this. And, you know, so they're like, why why do I have to go? Because I know I can go read the same thing he's going to read to me because he read it last time, and, you know, one of the challenges um, from a uh, pastoral point of view is we know that the, the Bible is alive and living. Right. And it provides us the answers to some of our most complex and perplexing questions and problems. And I think what happens, and I could be wrong, but I think what happens is something at some time or another drives an individual to seek God. Right. And um, they come with the notion of what they heard or seen others, and then they're expecting it to be the same for them. And then they get there, and this message that's going out at that particular time might be for the body that's in front of them. And since you're not a part of the body, you don't really understand the message because you haven't been in that body yet. Right. You know what I mean? So the message doesn't fit you. And sometimes we come in expecting that we're going to get something that's going to make us stick. And then we're looking, and it makes us almost feel like outsiders. Right, right. Yeah. So. And I, I guess that would be, in a sense, being in a having different relationships with with the Lord, you know, in, in the sense that 
the level or the level of relationship that you have with the Lord, that personal relationship that you have with him is going to be different. It's going to vary person to person. Yes. So yes. In, in a, in an instance, as you said, what the what's coming out in that word that's meant for that body isn't meant for you because you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you're, you're going to miss it. Yeah, like the, the, the word kind of gives us step ups, like, you know, it's the milk and the bread of right. the word. And then it's the meat of the word. And sometimes, um, depending on where a particular congregation is, and as a pastor, what you're trying to lead them to um, is being, it's not so much um, the pastor picking a message as much as it is God giving that pastor a message for that people, for that time. And uh, what happens, I think, is the individual, let's just call him a seeker. Okay. Okay, a seeker. Um, A seeker is a person that's kind of looking to try to better understand, because we're always seekers at one time. I was a seeker at one time. And um, the idea is just trying to figure out What is this God thing? But I think what happens though, Josh, is sometimes the seeker themselves get caught into seeing the tradition and feeling the judgment and then turning away. Okay. So I think it's both of us. I think it's the message, the liturgy that's going on, um, the, the traditions that's already established, and the relationship that I have with with Christ or with a Christian community, okay. um, just like you said, you can't go for everything. You know, right. You know, right. Some sometimes you gotta, right, and then sometimes you gotta check yourself. You gotta know that you're going into a new situation and a new relationship. It's like if you, if you start with a new relationship with anybody, a new work relationship, you have to kind of fill it out. You right. have to stick for a minute. See what's good, what's bad, you know, right. that kind of thing. And that was going to lead to my next question. I was going to say, so how do you determine where where your seekers are, you know, as far as uh, within the body of Christ? Because, all right, for instance, at Remnant, we have a lot of young adults. Mm-hmm. And some of us are here, some of us are there, some of us are everywhere, you know. <laughs> so how do you determine what message to, well, I, you know, I know you wait for the message to come forth, but how do you determine if that's the right message to bring forth to? Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, again, God knows um, our past, our present, and our future, right? So as a body of believers or gathering of believers, God has a message for that particular group. God has a message for every church that's open in his name. If we take it from that standpoint, think about it that way. There's a message for every church that's open in his name. So, God is saying to Remnant, you know, this Sunday is Mother's Day. And this is what I want you to help them to understand about me as it relates to Mother's Day. Today is Cinco de Mayo. 
Gotcha. Right? And so we're having a conversation, uh, and it just happened to be on Cinco de Mayo, um, which is another celebratory thing, but it doesn't mean as much to us as it does to the Hispanic population. Right. Right? So God gives messages to his ministers to pass to his people. So how do how does the how does the pastor know? Because he has to walk with his group, be engaged with his group, his congregation, his flock, and then as he's engaging them, things are happening. And he's living an experience. Like today I had an experience of uh, helping one of ours um, move in to a home. Um, brought them something that they needed, you know. And so in that working, it was a joyous moment just to feel and sense and hear the joy that they had, realizing that God had brought them from a far distance, right? So now as, as a leader of this group, I'm going, yeah, you know, I feel you. And now that then gets t- tossed into that message that goes out. Then I get a call, and there's people who are um, being injured or hurt, um, having arguments and disagreements, and, you know, marriages are cracking and crumbling. And so, you know, that gets mixed in. And after a while, and that's what a sermon basically winds up being. It's like chicken soup. It's just a lot, you know, it's peas and carrots and tomatoes and chicken and broth. And, it's everything combined. Yeah, and then okay. it comes out, and then when and if, you can get them all there together. But I like this online thing because you got more now right. that can be together. Yeah, broad audience. And, yes. And everybody don't have to lead the comfort of their space. Right. And they still get the message. And, and they can still get maybe some of the carrots, some of the peas. Gotcha. Some of the, yeah. Okay. Um, another big question. Cause I, and this is a personal question of mine. And I had this question because I... I I see a lot of a lot of my friends and just people that I, you know, associate with and stuff like that. They're they're really into this um, burning of sage and other incense and to the crystals and things of that. You know, uh, from a biblical standpoint, what what is I don't know what's the stance on that or where. Where does that fall in line with, you know, the Bible or whatnot? Because from now, once again, this is from Mm -hmm. the research and stuff that I've done. Mm -hmm. It comes a lot of, especially the sage burning and the the different types of crystals that come from a lot of the ancient African witchcraft from, you know, back from the old lands, from the motherland. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that they used to, you know, do things back there to purify their homes and so on and so forth. So I don't know how that or if it crossed, you know, how it ties in with Christianity or whatnot. I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. How does it tie in together? Good question. Um, The best way to understand it is is how big is our God? 
And some people trust and believe in, let's just say, hypothetically, okay. sage burning. Let's say they believe that. Okay. Then that is a belief that they have about that particular thing. And I wonder what would happen if they had that same belief in Christ. Mm. See, because our beliefs then creates within us our thoughts. Right. Our thoughts then create our actions. Our actions then create our behavior. And our behavior then is based upon the intent of our hearts. Okay. So it may be some are burning actually believing that it's the burning of saints that's giving them cleansing of their home. Right. But we know that that's the thing you can do, but only Christ can clean your home. Right. Only Christ can make you clean. Correct. Because he, he sheds you in his blood. Right. So there are some who, whatever you put your hope, trust, and belief in, that's why Christ judges your heart, your intent. Now, <clears throat> the difficult part with this is we may or may not know that person's heart. We may not know if that person has placed sage burning above incense burning like they did in the days of old. Right. You know, and in church um, or have they placed something else above God because see here's the thing the, the very first commandment is have no other gods besides me correct right and then Christ said you know taking the ten commandments putting them into just one love the Lord thy God with all your heart mind and soul right right and love your neighbor as you do yourself right right and all that you will find that that is one out of all the commandments that was held down by priests and prophets of old. Okay. Right? So, the intent then is maybe the individual haven't really had a relationship enough with Christ to realize that that's a thing to do. But a better thing to do is to have your faith and belief in Christ. So you do whatever you want to do. Right. Right? But for me and my house. We're going to pray about it and let it go. There you go. And just for the record, I just want to state this. <laughs> this disclaimer. <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at nobody <laughs> or what they're doing. It's a personal question that I had, which I stated in the beginning. <laughs> because also in the Bible, they did burn incense, frankincense, and so on and so yeah. forth. But... You know, that was used for other spiritual cleaning, cleansing before. Anyway, that's just look it up. <laughs> but I'm not taking any shots at anybody. I just want to make that disclaimer out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I was, like I said, I was just curious about that because I, I it's been getting really popular lately. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just was curious about it. Um, but I got one for you that I'm curious about. Okay. Um, let me see. We how much time we got here left? Mm, okay, we got okay. We got nine minutes, brother. Nine okay. minutes. 
So you're gonna have to sum, you're gonna have to help me out in eight minutes. Alright, I will do my best. <laughs> I have a um uh, a thorn in my side. Okay. And I'm I, I'm not quite sure um what to do about it. Do I leave it alone or do I do something? And that is the ideal of our young adults and our Z generation not wanting to go to church. And I'm not quite sure because here's the thing. Statistically, as I've done research and talked to many people, um, there's 280,000 people in Clayton County. Right. 80% of them uh, self-identify as Christian. Okay. 20% of them do not. There's some other uh, belief system. Of that 85% or 80% that self-identify as Christian, 85% of that 80% do not attend church regularly. What's up with that? That's a big number. Um, well, I know a lot of people that don't go to church. But they do identify as, you know, Christians or believers of God. And um, I've asked that question and their response have been, the number one response that I've gotten is, you can be a Christian without having to go to church. That you can fellowship and worship and praise God in the comfort of your home or with your family, wherever you are. And I tell them yes, but... It is always good to go and fellowship and worship with other Christians at the house of the Lord. You know, and I get the second response I get back, well, the church <laughs> is in you. It's not a, a physical building. So with that being said, to sum it up, I guess I would say everyone, you're right. The church is in you. But it's also good to also it's also good to go in fellowship with other Christians to be up to be to be on one accord other than when you may need something or you need someone other than you need prayer. You know, sometimes it's good to go and to be able to be that support system for someone else. You know, it doesn't it shouldn't be just when you need something or when it's rough times or when it's Easter or whatever it is you know and I'm not perfect by far I don't go to church every Sunday you know but I try to get there as often as I can and just being honest you know the the fact of the matter is you don't have to attend the physical building but your presence and being there sometimes you get something that you may sometimes that word that you are needing it comes from that building sometimes from that that pastor yeah 
the other response I get back, well, if I have a relationship with God and this pastor have a relationship with God, then why can't God just tell me? Well, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't have the answer to that. But sometimes you may not be on the level to receive the message that God is trying to give you. And you need another person that's on that level to receive it, to give it to you. That's my response to it. Um, well, I, I, I appreciate that. I like that. And let's do this. Let's, let's, make a, let's make a promise, a covenant promise. Okay. That we'll pick this issue up next Tuesday. All right. This would be one of the issues that we talk about. And we'll go do a little more research, you know, talk to a little more. Because those three, quest, those three answers that you gave are the three that I received. Gotcha. And uh, I just want to kind of maybe go a little bit further and deeper in them. Um, not to bring folks to the church. Although you do want what what we call butts in the seats, right? But we at Remnant, we don't really want members. We want disciples of Christ. Exactly. And so what we're trying to do at Remnant is to build disciples, not necessarily members. So you come and go, but as long as you do the will and the work and the way God wants you to do it, I believe you will be blessed. But let's talk about that again next Tuesday. Okay, most Hey, this has been your boy, the Reverend Dr. Coach J, Pastor of Remnant Fellowship. And I'm here with my main man, Josh Scandrick. And we're just having an opportunity to talk and just let Remnant speak. <laughs> Thank you. See you next Tuesday. Y'all be blessed. Peace.